Hello everyone, it is now 5pm on this Wednesday evening in Kingston and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM, www.cfrc.ca. Welcome to this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. Today in YGK brings you need-to-know news about what's going on right here in our beautiful city of Kingston. From current news, special segments, and interviews with some amazing guests, I'm sure you'll find something of interest that gets you to tune in. If you have any news to share with me, please contact me via email, which is news at cfrc.ca. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Alexandra here, and I hope that your Wednesday is going well so far. I know it's been a little bit of a gloomy day and we've had some rain and stuff, especially some rain overnight. Um, But you know, I kind of like it myself. It means we're one step closer to fall. Um, And as you know, I love fall. I talk about it all the time on the show and also when I host Indie Wake Up every Monday morning um, from 8 to 10. Um, but no, I'm back today with some news for all you folks and a really, really cool interview with someone in the Kingston community. So I hope that you enjoy that, but we're just going to jump right into it. Um, as you know, over the summer season, a homeless encampment was set up in Bell Park where people were camping and city of Kingston was working with each individual to provide them with resources and temporary sustainable housing. The integrated care hub at Artillery Park was an important resource as it provided our vulnerable population with housing, beds, security, food, counselors, and many more services that worked with visitors to direct them to the right places and the right people. The Integrated Care Hub opened in July to provide these services to people in our community. However, they are moving at the end of October to a new location at 661 Montreal Street to move in for November 1st. Today, I have Jill Charlotte, who is the Executive Director of HIV AIDS Regional Services, and he is going to speak with us more about the current Integrated Care Hub, as well as plans for the new one opening in November. So welcome to CFRC 101.9 FM. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Alex. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, thanks so much for uh, having this Zoom call with me so we can talk a little bit about um, the HARS um, services and everything that's kind of been going on um, in the last few months. Yeah. Well, there certainly has been a lot going on. That's for sure. So first, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your role of Executive Director at HIV AIDS Regional Services? Sure. So um, I've been the executive director at HARS since October of 2018, so just going on to two years. Prior to that, I worked for the organization for almost six years in the role of m sexual health coordinator, so doing community development and outreach work uh, for men who have sex with men, however they identify as um, you know, cisgender or transgender, gay, bisexual, or other. And um, so over that time, in the last two years, our services have expanded um, to include mobile harm reduction outreach services. And so we received some funding from the Public Health Agency of Canada to expand the size of our team. And uh, we were able to purchase a used ambulance to distribute things like um, harm reduction materials, um, Narcan, Naloxone um, in the communities that we serve. And then most recently, thanks to the work that the harm reduction team do in the community, uh, doing outreach to vulnerable populations, uh, we began working with the city of Kingston, the United Way to start this integrated care hub, which is a a 24-7 model that uh, 
aims to bring together different services from different community agencies and service providers uh, to remove barriers for people who tend to face barriers when they try to access things like mental health supports or addiction supports and um, housing, for example. And so uh, that project began in late July. So July 31st is when we officially opened for well, actually 23 hours a day, seven days a week. Due to COVID, we have to close an hour every day for our deep and thorough cleaning. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but in that time, we've seen um, you know, great participation from people in our community. And what it's done is highlighted the tremendous need that exists um, in you know, Kingston and the surrounding area by way of you know, addressing poverty, homelessness, um, substance use and mental health challenges. Yeah. So a lot of the people that we serve are among the most vulnerable, but also I like to say the most resilient people in mm. our communities. I mean, they're, they're survivors, they have each other's backs, they, they build strong communities around each other. And what we're trying to do is um, bring supports to them rather than them having to fit into a particular model of service. Uh, that we work alongside with them so that they can determine what um, the services look like and how they're delivered to them. And so um, it's been really, um, it's been an exciting couple of months being able to shift gears, do something a little bit um, new for us. We've been doing harm reduction work. That's core to you know HIV prevention. And we've been doing harm reduction work for the 31 years that we've yeah. been in the community, almost 32 years as an agency. Um, but this really puts a focus on very specific needs that are being presented by um, the poisoned uh, drug crisis that we have. Mm -hmm. We know that we've got a you know an epidemic of drug poisoning, and um, you know the opioid crisis is very real. And so uh, it gives us an opportunity to do something very, very practical in delivering services in order to um, minimize the potential dangers of substance use. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. And so, like you said, um, HAR has opened up an integrated care hub for um, you know the homeless population of Kingston in collaboration with all these um, other organizations um, in the Kingston area. And I know that the hub was supposed to operate until the end of the month at Artillery Park, and then it was extended um, because the original location fell through, and now it's shifting to uh, 661 Montreal Street. So what can folks kind of expect from the new place? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, silver linings, right? So there was, you know, a little bit of disappointment initially around, you know, the, the original plan not coming to fruition. Um, but the location that we've identified at 661 Montreal Street is um, really well suited to the model of service being delivered and its proximity to other services in the community that uh, the people that we serve engage with is really um, convenient for them. And so the same services that we see at um, Artillery Park will be offered at um, 661 Montreal Street. And there are really three um, large components to uh, the services at the Integrated Care Hub. The first is a 23 hour a day, seven day a week drop in space. Mm -hmm. And um, so people can just come in, have a bite to eat, um, you know, get out of the rain or the cold, uh, depending on what the weather is, or just enjoy each other's company and participate in some different programming that's put on by community partners. It's also a place where people can meet with other service providers. So whether they're, you know, um, housing providers or um, mental health addictions um, service providers or healthcare, um, they can meet with them on site um, because we've got a number of agencies that we've partnered with who send staff to do some work over the course of um, each day. And um, so that's component number one. Component number two is a rest zone. So what that is, is really it's a, you know an emergency place to stay. It's a little different from a conventional shelter model where people may be able to stay for you know several days at a time, 
leave their like leave their belongings there and it's a sense of home this is really um sort of the first step for people where you know they may not um, be in a position of readiness to access a more conventional shelter or other types of housing um, but on a emergency need basis it provides people with a safe place to stay mm-hmm. and so since that component um, opened on july 31st we've served over 130 unique individuals no. who are experiencing either you know long-term or short-term homelessness and needing a place to stay and um, now our capacity each night um, in the rest zone particularly is between 23 and 25 people so when you think about you know in about two months not quite two months time um you know over 130 unique individuals have access that space that really speaks to the challenges that we have as a community as far as addressing uh, a crisis in lack of affordable housing for people or, or supportive housing mm-hmm. so that's the second component the third and this is one that's really innovative um, in you know not only Ontario but in Canada is the idea of co-locating these two services with the consumption and treatment service so that's the so CTS is the language that we use in Ontario that you know in other places is known as either safe consumption sites or overdose prevention sites here in Ontario we refer to them as consumption and treatment services but it's a place where people can um, use safely in a place that is medically supervised and um, is also a place where people can be referred to other services so having the CTS on site with um, the integrated care hub the drop-in space the rest zone allows for some really great um, warm handoffs because we're seeing usage of the CTS increase because um, whereas how it was situated before people needed to make a special trip to its location um, to use and there, there were a few services that were available to people but just the breadth and scope of services that are available in this hub model means that there is more incentive for people to come and use in a place that is like consumer substances in a place that is safer right. so based on the stats that we're seeing we already know that the potential for um you know overdoses that um you know have you know, have already been reversed and medical care and emergency treatment that's been provided to people has been dramatically increased just due to the co-location of these services so there's a natural synergy um, that happens between um, you know in, in a hub model where um, you know the community partners who sometimes work in sort of siloed ways work much more collaboratively and we can take a you know whole person approach to providing care so between you know the service providers who come in um, as part of the hub model and then the drop-in space and then the CTS um, there are some really um, interesting and important linkages that can happen there yeah completely that sounds like just um some really great stuff that people um can expect from this new location um Mm -hmm. and it's really great that um you know so many people are involved in like providing all this care and all this necessity to um our community for sure um how can the extended community just like um you know citizens residents how can they kind of support um the organization itself or support our vulnerable population especially during this difficult um you know pandemic time yeah i think that's a really good question and i think that pandemics really do tend to highlight the systemic inequities that exist in communities i think that um you know the 
COVID pandemic really put a fine point on the crisis of lack of housing in our community. Mm-hmm. And um, so people um, people are resilient. They find ways to survive and get through life. And that's where we see instances of, you know, people creating encampments so that they can support each other mutually. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, those things um, work well because then, you know, supports can be brought to people in a way where, you know, we know where to find folks so that we can, you know, provide them with meals and with shelter and with medical supports if they need them. Um, So this hub model, you know, replicates a lot of that sense of community and bringing people together. But as far as the broader community, I mean, there's obviously um, opportunities for, you know, financial support and donations of this type of work. I know that, you know, the community has been extraordinarily generous through community partners like um, Loving Hands or Lion Hearts and some of the other groups that have come up to provide supports to, um, you know, homeless people and people living with poverty. Martha's Table is a really close community partner of ours. So those are ways of support that are really, you know, practical supports. Um, What is really helpful as well for the broader community is, you know, to spend some time getting to know people who are living with experiences of poverty and homelessness. I think there's a lot of stigma and a lot of misconception around the lives of the individuals that we serve. And um, we have a tendency Um, broadly as a community to dehumanize people who are living in poverty as though, you know, they, um, you know, they've created these conditions for themselves. And we know that it's much more complex than that. There are experiences of, you know, of deep trauma uh, that, you know, are the the case for a lot of people Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, create conditions for people to be in, you know, the positions that they're in. And each of us finds ways of, you know, getting by or self-medicating, whether it's through food or substances or shopping or sex and so um you know just the recognition that you know like each of us you know we're having a very human experience and uh, so i've been encouraging folks who um you know have been doing tours of the space that we had um you know a lot of city council and the mayor come and visit the facility um, you know, some of our community partners who've come through and, um, you know, members of the broader community who have questions around homelessness and, and addiction and mental health challenges. There's a really great um, TED Talk and YouTube video uh, that I recommend to a lot of people. For me, it was really insightful. Um, it's based on a talk by Johan Hari and the video is called Everything You Know About Addiction is Wrong. And Ooh. so it functions on the premise that, um, the the models that we've used around confronting um, substance use haven't worked and there's a number of reasons why that is but the premise of this video is that um, the need for community and connection in order to address you know the traumatic experiences that people have is crucial to wellness and stabilization and uh, you know mitigating the potential harmful effects of substance use and um, it really does um, you know, put a human face on mental health and substance use challenges. I think, you know, for many of us, if we, if we, we don't have to dig too far to see that there's somebody in our close circle, whether it's our close circle of friends, our immediate or extended family who struggles either with mental health challenges or substance use challenges. And yet we can empathize with that in a way that we can't seem to empathize with that in conjunction with people living with experiences of deep poverty. And yet the circumstances that lead to these things is often the same. There's it's 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 trauma, and so um, the objective of, of the hub is really to address that trauma. So if we look at you know some of the things that um, people stigmatize by way of some of the 
you know, outward behavior or expression of people with mental health and substance use challenges, if we challenge that and say, okay, you know, these are, these are individuals who are doing their best to survive. And, um, you know, when you're in a trauma state, you're not always aware of what's going on outside of your body. And so it tends to make people a little bit more empathetic um, because there are ways that we can relate to each other on a human level. And if you spend some time listening to the stories of the people we serve, um, we learn far more from them um, mm -hmm. than we can ever help them with. And, um, you know, it sounds, you know, a little bit um, corny, but the people we serve are our greatest teachers, um, just about how to, you know, have skills to navigate through a really challenging life and a challenging time that we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. And so I would just, you know, encourage people to, you know, have a little bit of empathy, get to know somebody who's living in, you know, in, the, in situations of poverty or homelessness or deep trauma. And uh, that will help with some of the resistance that we sometimes uh, experience in the community around things like, um, you know, creating hubs for people who are experiencing homelessness. Yeah, for sure. That was such a, such a, such a great answer. Thank you so much. Um, and I guess my last question for you is, um, what would you like to see, um, you know, from community leaders like um, city council, the mayor, stuff like that? What would you like to see um, them do to address the, um, lack of accessible housing that we have here because as we know even um you know i did a topic about this um last summer when they kind of announced the whole project um to kind of address this problem and it was a vacancy rate of 0 0.6 which was like the lowest in ontario or maybe even canada so what would you like to see um city council do yeah, what I will say is that, um, you know, we've been working very closely with city staff um, throughout, you know, the implementation of this, of this project and the lead up to our move to 661 Montreal Street. Um, we're working with a team of people on staff at the city of Kingston who really get it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, city council, as I mentioned, have toured the site and are yeah. broadly yes. supportive of the work that we're doing. But what both council and um, city staff understand is that this is one small piece of a much broader strategy Completely. to address this it, it is it, it's a crisis of you know of homelessness and of lack of affordable housing and so i know that at the most uh, one of the most recent council meetings um you know council passed a motion to approve the development of a couple of sites on uh, princess street to you know, put in some affordable housing it's um, it's not enough, and they're aware that it's not enough, and so they're working along with other levels of government to identify other sources of funding in order to do more. The other thing that um, we can do is, you know, existing agencies who work with you know the same populations that we all serve, and and we work closely with a number of them in the hub model, um, also have opportunities to leverage the way that um, they. Um, you know, do their work in order to reach some of the people who are harder to serve. Um, little tweaks that can happen by way of, you know, models of service delivery that, um, you know, may help as well. But certainly, you know, I think the city in the conversations that I've had with staff and council understand um, just how, um, like the magnitude of the need and, um, you know, are really challenged by you know these competing priorities mm -hmm. and you know the needs to be fiscally responsible and you know the community's um, desire to have you know um, 
a certain level of affordability with regarding to taxes. And, uh, you know, that's that's the perennial question, right? right? It's, you know, offering more social programs and services comes at a cost. Who's going to pay for that? And so we understand the tightrope that people walk. Obviously, in the work that we do, we're on the side of saying, okay, you know what, we're, we're quite happy to spend more um, from a taxpayer standpoint to ensure that those who are most um, vulnerable are provided with a basic level of dignity so that they can get through life. Mm -hmm. beyond the municipality I mean on more you know provincial and federal levels we really do need to be having conversations serious conversations about a basic income yeah, for, for example sure. you know re-looking at how we do a lot of our social programs um, in order to uh, provide a measure of um, dignity for people because a lot of it um, is structured in such a way to perpetuate um, you know some of these um, these inequalities and these these patterns of you know reinforcing poverty mm -hmm. and so it's it's not just you know the city of Kingston this is you know a much um, broader levels of government conversation okay. around you know dealing with an issue that not just Kingston is dealing with but it's you know we're dealing with all across Canada mm -hmm. yeah completely I, and I say I, you know I've got to give the city of Kingston some credit I and mean, this model was really taking a chance because it hasn't been done this way um, to our knowledge elsewhere mm -hmm. and so you know we we took a shot and thought okay well this model has been used for youth in Kingston with the one roof youth hub to you know a certain level of, of success there's a lot of good news stories that have come from this hub model for youth and uh, but scaling it up to adults yeah. and experiencing different challenges um, so the boldness that the city of Kingston had to say you know we're going to take a fairly significant sum of money to say you know we're going to try this on a pilot basis which has now been extended through to july 2021 mm -hmm. um is courageous because they didn't have an example to go to to say oh in such and such a city they've tried this and this has been the result right. so it's our it's our best guess but so far the data over the short you know two months um has really proven the theory around removing barriers for people and bringing services to them results in people um accessing the services that they need just a very brief example if i can yeah. um you know one individual who has been accessing services since we opened um has been engaging with a mental health nurse um, who's on site uh, five days a week and that's through one of our community partners amhs and just by virtue of building a relationship of trust with the nurse uh, they were able to um have a conversation with them about their medication and identify that you know they've got some literacy challenges so a simple move like moving somebody from you know a pill bottle with instructions around how they need to take their medication to simple blister packs improve that person's adherence to their medication that they take for you know mental health challenges to a point where they could actually engage with a housing service case manager and mm -hmm. have now accessed housing Wow, and so amazing. that may not have been possible in other models where it's ch more challenging to build relationships with service providers right. because you're only seeing them once every blue moon or the um, practicalities of getting to the office for an appointment is more challenging. So in this case, the workers are coming to the people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, in theory, you think, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. But we're actually seeing you know, evidence of this kind of model working and that's really exciting and mm -hmm. you know already we've had communities reach out to us and say we'd like to do something similar can we have conversations with you about how you went about it that's amazing and so, uh, you know yeah a lot of potential for how um you know uh, a 
program like this can be used elsewhere to address um, housing and homelessness. Yeah, completely. Um, Well, thank you so much. That was really great. And I'm so glad to hear that, you know, like um, this different model is working out so well and really like making a difference in people's lives and stuff like that, which was really great to hear. And thank you also for sharing how our community can um, support the Integrated Care Hub and our um, vulnerable population here in Kingston, just to make it um, even just an even better community for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate your interest and the opportunity to share this story with the community because it is, it's exciting and it's something that the community really should be proud about. Yeah, completely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much um, for having this conversation again. Um, I hope that everything goes well with the new opening of the facility. Great. Well, thank you very much for reaching out, Alex. Yes, of course. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye now. Well, that was a great conversation you just had with Jill Charlotte of the HIV AIDS Regional Services, or better known as HARS, speaking to us about the Integrated Care Hub. Like mentioned, the new location will be moving to 661 Montreal Street on November 1st from its current location at Artillery Park. They are open 23 hours a day, seven days a week, to ensure that they have an hour to clean and sanitize the location fully to ensure safety of all staff, volunteers, and visitors. Just to give you folks a little bit of a news update regarding COVID-19, yesterday on Tuesday, September 29th, it was announced that another female under the age of 20 tested positive for the virus. If you feel ill or have flu-like symptoms, please get tested, stay home, and isolate. Queen's students can book an appointment with Student Wellness Services to get tested at the on-campus assessment center located at Mitchell Hall. Those who are not Queen's students and who fall into any of the four categories of people eligible for testing can visit the Beach Grove Complex for testing. They're open daily from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. But that's it for today's episode. I hope you folks enjoyed this week's segment of Today in YGK with me, your host, Alexandra Fernandez. I'll catch you next week, but thanks for tuning in. Coming up next at 5.30, we have Campus Beat, so keep on listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Enjoy this track I'm going to play. I hope it puts you in the fall mood. It is Reflecting Light by Sam Phillips on CFRC. Hope you enjoy. Now that I've worn out, I've worn out the world I'm on my knees in fascination Looking through the night And the moon's never seen me I rode the pain down, got off and looked up, looked into your eyes, the lost open windows all around, my dark heart lit up the sky. in fascination looking through the night and the moon's never seen me
For listening to Today in YGK, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.